You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Elisha didn't do the work for her. Elisha made her do it, made her step out in faith and do the work. Elisha wasn't an enabler. He didn't do the work for her. That's okay, you sit there, honey. I'll collect all the vessels and we'll get all this. No, he said, you go collect the vessels and then we'll start pouring oil. So she does this. He put her in the place where she had to trust God herself. God wants your faith to be as strong as possible. And while he will send people to help you and has provided the Bible to guide you, he also expects you to act on what he's shown you. And this is one of the lessons of the story you'll hear about in Pastor Dave's teaching. To have stronger faith, you have to do the work of faith. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4 as he begins his message, Elisha, a worker of miracles. You are a 2 King chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 37. We're not going to get all the way through the chapter. It's a large chapter and there's a lot of meat here. So I wanted to make sure that we would give it justice. So if you would turn into your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to look at the first 37 verses. Interesting time of the book of 2 Kings with our buddy Elisha. So let's bow our hearts before the Lord in prayer, please. Gracious Father, we now come to you. We come, Lord, from different places in our lives. We come now, and Lord, we ask that we would lay aside every distraction that might be coming at us, Lord, that we might sit before you and allow you to just teach us your word and guide us through these scripture passages, because Lord, we know that there's something in here that we need to learn. We know that there's something in here that we can apply to our lives, Lord. So we pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would lead us through these scriptures as only he can because he's the author of these scriptures. Your Holy Spirit gave the writer of 2 Kings the knowledge and the wisdom and the inspiration to write these words. But we know it's you, Lord, who are speaking boldly to us, Lord. So help us, Lord, to lay aside those things that have distracted us in the past and keep our focus on you now for the next hour or so, Lord. Help us, Lord, to just look to you for all our needs because you, through your grace, continue to supply. Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So at the beginning of his ministry, Elisha had proven himself to be a worker of miracles just like his mentor, Elijah. Elisha had truly received a double portion of Elijah's spirit as he asked before Elijah was taken up in a chariot of fire. And he immediately went to work. He opened the river Jordan and crossed it in dry land. And then he purified the waters of Jericho. So he's already busy about the Lord's business of doing these things, establishing himself as a true prophet of the Lord God Jehovah. All of Elisha's miracles, for the most part, are a demonstration of God's amazing grace towards his people. Elisha was a people person, 
And he demonstrated God's grace by helping people. And we're going to see that Elisha is trying to get people's attention off of the foreign gods, off of Baal and all these other foreign gods, and onto the one true living God, Jehovah. Remember, he's basically operating in the northern kingdom of Israel, a kingdom that had fallen into spiritual adultery, a kingdom that had fallen into depravity, a kingdom that had fallen away from the Lord God, Jehovah. And they were worshiping all sorts of things. But Elisha, carrying on in the tradition of Elijah and in the ministry of Elijah, is continuing to come against these false prophets, to come against these false teachers, and to show people the one true living God. And he's using these miracles to get people's attention. And I think it's important that we look at it that way. And every miracle demonstrates God's grace. And as we'll point that out. And because of these miracles and because of his compassion for the people of Israel, Elisha has been likened to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he had the same compassion for the people. He looked out of the multitude, and what does it say? He had compassion on them. His heart was towards them, and he wept because they wouldn't accept him as Messiah. So all of Elisha's miracles magnified the grace of God. All Elisha's miracles brought glory to God, not to himself. The miracles done by Elijah were not for show. They were not for some parade. He wasn't collecting money as he did these miracles, but everything led to the glory of God. And that should tell us something. What does the scripture say? Do everything as unto the Lord. Everything we do should give glory to God. Even in our home life, even in our personal life, we should always be wanting to give glory to God. Because that's who we are. If we're children of the Most High God, if we've been born again to a living hope, if we've been given salvation through Jesus Christ, if we have an eternal destiny with God forever, then everything we do should glorify Him. And people should look at our lives, they should see what we're doing, and they should wonder, why are they doing it? Why do they have that stupid smile on their face in the midst of such adversity? Why are they calm? Why are they this way? And then we can show them that it has nothing to do with us, everything to do with a God who loved them so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for them. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to be more like this. So there was this great international war that took place. And Elisha was in the midst of it when they looked for a prophet to see if God would indeed help them. And Elisha comes along and he helps them. So after the defeat of Moab, he now returns home. And he returns home and he comes in contact with the school of the prophets. And Elisha's going to show great spiritual leadership because of the great concern he has for the people. Once again, Elisha is following the example left to him by Elijah. And I think it's very important. We talked about this, about passing the mantle. I think it's important that we who are older in the faith, not necessarily in age, but older in the faith, need to be examples who are younger in the faith. We need to be examples for them to follow as we follow hard after the Lord. Can you say what Paul and John said? I don't know if I can sometimes. Remember what they said? Follow me as I follow Christ. Can you put yourself out there in front of people and say, follow me because I'm following Christ? I mean, that's a tough thing to do. And you really need to be on point when you do that. You need to be following the Spirit. Elijah could do that. And Elisha can do that. 
because Elisha was following the most holy God. We're going to look at several demonstrations of God's grace, which are shining brightly through the ministry of Elisha. The first one is found in verses 1 through 7, and here we see God miraculously paying a debt that a widow owed. Let's read 1 through 7. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. The beautiful story of God providing miraculously for this lady, this widow who has fallen on hard times. Elisha is back in the presence of the sons of God. And here we see the heart of Elisha. Really, we see the heart of God because God is using Elisha miraculously to do these miracles. Remember, he may be a miracle worker, but he's given all glory and credit to God for doing the work. So the woman's husband is dead. And it appears that he had a reputation of being a godly man. Thus, he feared the Lord. That was kind of the term of being a godly man. He feared the Lord. But the woman had a debt she could not pay. The woman had a debt she could not pay. And according to Hebrew law, you can read about it in Exodus 21, Leviticus 25, and Deuteronomy 15. According to Hebrew law, a creditor could put the person in debt and their children as servants. They could take them and put them into servitude, but they could not make them slaves. But you could put them in servitude until the debt was paid off. So this woman was afraid. She was afraid that her sons and her were going to go into servitude and be shipped off someplace to serve another person. But it's interesting that as we read Deuteronomy 10.18, it says that God is a judge of widows. Even the New Testament tells us to take care of widows, widows and orphans in James 1.27. It's a very simple and practical advance of helping those who are in need, especially those who are in great need. Elisha, here's the woman, he sees her need, and he doesn't say, be warm and be filled and walk away. I'll pray for you, brother, and walk away. No, he can help. And he wants to help. So he asks the woman, what shall I do for you? What can I do for you? And then he says, tell me what you have in your house. And although these were poor people, God was about to give them riches beyond their dreams. He was about to provide for them in the most miraculous way possible. The woman has a jar of oil. And the wording here in the language suggests that it was a small jar. It was one used for anointing rather than cooking. 
It was a smaller jar of oil. It wasn't a cooking oil. Now remember, what does oil represent in Scripture usually? Holy Spirit. Okay. So she had that. She had that little bit. Now what I like about this is little is a lot in the hands of the Lord. A little is a lot in the hands of the Lord. And he will take whatever we give him. You give him a little, he'll make it a lot. If you're faithful in little things, he'll make you faithful in great things. He'll take whatever you offer him and use it because of his graciousness, his goodness, and his love. And he will do miraculous things. So Elisha says, go and borrow vessels. As many as you can. Go and borrow vessels as many as you can. And I love this. And by faith, the woman obeys Elisha. She steps out and she goes knocking on doors, asking if she can borrow vessels, things to hold the oil. Elijah made this woman commit herself to the faith for God's provision. Notice how God uses her in the midst of this miracle. She didn't sit back, eat bonbons on a hammock and go, okay, where's the oil? No, she didn't do that. God used her in the midst of the miracle. God uses. He wants to use us in the midst of things too. And he might give you something to do or want, and you might say, how is this going to accomplish? And he might just say, trust me. And you have to trust him like this woman did. This woman trusts God. She takes Elijah at his word, and she trusted him. We have to learn this. When we're given a commandment by God to go and do something, we need to do it. We need to take a step in faith and do it. And God will miraculously provide for us. I've told you before that God will never, ever ask you to do something that he does not give you the power to accomplish it. God will always do that if you seek him. But we must obey him and then trust in him that he's going to supply all our needs. We love to quote, God has supplied all my needs in Christ Jesus. Yeah, he has. But are you doing the things that he asked you to do to see what those needs are being met? Are you doing those things? This woman, if she didn't collect the vessels, her debt wasn't going to be paid. She had to do something. Some people wait for God. Well, I need a job and I need it badly. Oh, have you looked in the one ads? No. Have you knocked on doors and asked people if they need help? No. But you need a job. Yeah, I'm waiting for God to provide. Okay. Can God call that person, have somebody call that person and say they want a job? Yes. What does God usually do? Have you look in the one ads and go walking from door to door and try to find a job, doesn't he? He usually does it that way. He can provide miraculous glory, but he waits for that. She didn't do that. She went and had the vessels filled. Elijah told the woman to take what she had, one jar of oil. She offered everything she had. She gave everything she had. This is all I have. You can have it. You can have it. You can do what you need to do it. And then he poured out his faith and her faith into the borrowed vessels. As she did this, the oil miraculously kept pouring out from the vessel until the borrowed vessels were filled. And at the end of it, she had a lot of oil. He had a lot of oil. Well, she probably looked around like, where's all this oil coming from? Reminds you of the woman that we studied in Elijah. He noticed that Elijah made her do this. It's important that Elijah didn't do the work for her. Elijah made her do it, made her step out in faith and do the work. 
Elisha wasn't an enabler. He didn't do the work for her. That's okay. You sit there, honey. I'll collect all the vessels and we'll get all this. No, he said, you go collect the vessels and then we'll start pouring oil. So she does this. He put her in the place where she had to trust God herself. The original vessel of oil, as I said, was small and only meant for anointing. It means as she distributed, it just kept on pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. What can you tell me about the vessel? What was important about the vessel? What had to happen with the vessel? It had to be empty. The vessel had to be empty so that God could fill it. We need to be empty vessels so God can fill us. Well, what are we supposed to empty ourselves of? Well, I'm supposed to empty myself of my pride. I'm supposed to empty myself of my self-worthiness. I'm supposed to empty myself of everything and allow God to fill me up. We come to the Lord as empty vessels. We sang it in the hungry song. Empty, I come to you, and you fill me up. You fill me up to overflowing. When we come to the Lord as empty vessels, he pours his Holy Spirit into us, and we're overflowing, and out of our innermost being comes torrents of living water. As we emptied ourselves to the Lord, and we become empty vessels, fill us, please. But unlike the woman... When she came to end of the vessel, her oil ran out. The Holy Spirit never runs out. He wants to continue to pour out of you constantly. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this before. The Greek letters mean, be ye being filled. It's a constant filling. It's a constant filling of the Holy Spirit, a constant outpouring. As you use it, you get more. Just like the woman, as she poured it out, one vessel two vessels, three vessels, four. They kept on coming. It's the same thing. As we use it, we get more. The oil stopped flowing when there are no more vessels. The oil did not fall in the ground. It simply flowed out as needed. It was intended for a prepared vessel. The vessel had to be prepared. Had to be prepared to see it. When you come to a Bible study, when you come to church on Sunday morning, are you prepared? Do you do something other than fight with your spouse or your friends or your family on your way to church? Do you do something when you get, you're prepared to receive the word of God? You, we should come with expecting hearts. We should come expecting God to speak to us. We should come expecting God to show us something or touch our hearts in some way. Because we all have various needs. We all have needs that need to be met. Whether it be a need for healing, a need for restitution, a need for forgiveness, whatever it may be. But we need to come prepared. We need to come prepared. If you're doing this just because it's Sunday or Wednesday night, are you doing it for the right reason? I mean, I love the fact that you're here. And I want you here. I really do. But we need to be prepared. Our hearts need to be prepared just like these vessels were prepared to receive the Holy Spirit. Our hearts need to be prepared. They had to be gathered. They had to be assembled. They had to be emptied. And they had to be put in the right position so the oil could come into them. When there was no more prepared vessel, the oil stopped. Remember they had to dig ditches and the amount of the work that they dug was the amount of water that came. Same type of principle that's happening here. If she'd have collected a billion vessels, a billion vessels would have been filled with oil. The more ditches they dug, the more water would have come. Elisha says to the woman, now sell the oil. Pay for your debt. I like that. 
So I sat here for a while, not too long, before I realized we're like that woman. We're just like that woman. We have a debt we couldn't pay, and we were in bondage. We were in servitude to sin. Our father, Satan, had us working hard for his needs. But Jesus Christ came along, and he paid for that debt. He paid for that debt in full with his blood. And we've been blood-bought. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We now belong to him, and he bought us and redeemed us so that he could set us free. So that he could release us from the debt of sin, from the debt that we had to pay, because the wages of sin is death. And he released us from that. And now we can walk freely knowing that we're going to have eternal life through him because he did what we couldn't do. Elisha and God did for this woman what she couldn't do for herself. They paid the debt. Christ did for us what we couldn't do. He paid the debt from sin. And I love that. I, amen, you bet. Amen and amen and amen. Absolutely. So we look at that and we see this beautiful picture of this woman and how Elisha is pouring his heart out upon her, but knowing that God is doing a mighty work. So he does this miracle. And then in the next section, in verses 8 through 37, we come to the Shunammite woman. I love this story too. I love the story of the Shunammite woman. I really, really do. And she's going to come back as we get further on in 2 Kings. And she's going to come back. But this picture of the Shunammite woman is pretty cool. Let's read verses 8 through 12. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shuman, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look, now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair to a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes by us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. When he called her, she stood before him. So here we see Elisha now, again, imparting the grace of God. He is imparting the grace of God, but this time he's going to impart the grace of God by restoring a life that passes away. And it's all set up by him. Elisha is traveling through Shunem where he meets this notable woman. Give you some background here. Shunem is about 20 miles from Elisha's hometown of Abdel Mahola. It's about 20 to 25 miles between Shuman and Mount Carmel. Remember, Mount Carmel is where Elijah called fire down for the prophets of Baal. It's a most holy place. You come with us to Israel, and they will see that on the first day you get there. We're going to go to Mount Carmel. We'll see that. They even have a fire burning, so like you smell smoke. It's pretty cool. You think, wait a minute here. But if you come with us to Israel, you'll see that. You'll stand on Mount Carmel. You are a sure 
You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 2 Kings with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. There's a theme that you notice throughout this book. A person's actions have consequences. In the case of the majority of kings in this book, it was evil actions that incurred negative consequences. Do you think God enjoys handing out consequences for sin? On the contrary, just as a parent would prefer willful obedience, God desires for people to seek after Him and follow what He says because it's best for them. When that isn't the case, it grieves him to put forth discipline, but it's always with a heart for people to come back to him for their good. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time in God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Everything you need to know is on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 2 Kings today. We hope you'll join us again on Assure Hope. Refresh,